What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another amazing episode of Culture FC, the weekly soccer show where we discuss all of the beautiful things surrounding the beautiful game, but none of the stuff happening on the pitch. We discuss music, lifestyle, fashion, politics, all the things surrounding the beautiful game that make the sport so amazing and what it is and what we love, but none of the results. My name is Louie, and I am joined here again by my two amazing co-hosts, Alan and Brendan. What up, what up? Yo. And this week, we got into talking about the significance of the El Clasico rivalry between Barcelona and Real Madrid. As we speak, the game is currently going on on our televisions. Barcelona is up one nothing. I know we say we don't discuss results, but whatever. Um, we want to apologize for not posting uh, pot episodes over the last couple weeks, but there's a very good reason for that, and you will hear about it in this episode. I, Louis, was away in in Spain at in both the city of Madrid and the city of Barcelona for about 12 days and so we didn't get a chance to record podcasts but it did provide a lot of good content for us to talk about today we discussed what the rivalry means between these two clubs both from a political standpoint a cultural standpoint and from a city standpoint and it was just really really get cool to get to uh compare and contrast my experiences in the country of spain with the backdrop of soccer so we kind of talked a little bit about that and we also touched upon a lot of the different news items that have happened while we were gone a lot of significant stuff happening as always if you enjoy our podcast please leave us that five-star review we it means so much to us when we get good reviews it puts us out there it gets more people involved and interested and it just means the world to us it lets us know that we're we're doing well and that we are on the right path and so we would really appreciate it if you could leave us that five-star review if you can't get enough of us you can follow us at culturef.c on instagram we post a lot of behind the scenes stuff a lot of interesting soccer content and we actually look for uh listeners opinions on our instagram which we sometimes and usually share on the podcast you can also follow our main instagram at trouble soccer we post a lot of different soccer content there as well on top of it, we also are very active on YouTube. We have a lot of different shows, and we even post the video version of this podcast on our YouTube, which is also uh, at Trouble Soccer. So you can find that on you find us on YouTube as well. Penalty to Barcelona, but also uh, we really hope you guys enjoy this episode. We think it's a really good one. We're happy to get back into it. It was very fun to get to sit down with my two favorite people and discuss soccer and life. Mm-hmm. So enjoy this episode. All right, guys, we are back. A couple weeks um, gone, but it's for good reason. We had some people away on vacation, relaxing, but um, that'll kind of be the canvas of today's episode. Before we get into that, let's get into the three um, noteworthy news topics that we have talked about. The first one that I'm going to bring up, kind of some somber news, some pretty dark, um, unfortunate stuff that's happened over the weekend. Um, Leicester City's owner... Vikai, and sorry if I mispronounced his last name, it's very, very long. Srinadadhabraba. Um, that's probably the best you're going to get out of me on that one. But after the game, Leicester yesterday with West Ham 1 1, um, there was a horrendous helicopter crash. His helicopter, um, it ended up being that he was on the helicopter. They don't know who else was on it with him. Um, crashed just outside of the stadium um, in some pretty horrific scenes. And yeah, I mean, lost, what was it, four to five people in the crash. And there's been a big rally there in Leicester. And there were scenes of um, Schmeichel coming out, running out of the stadium, going to go see what was going on. There's kind of just been this this huge, huge kind of, I don't know, sad 
underlying um, feeling in Leicester now after this and a bunch of clubs shooting out messages of support people all over the world obviously when a, a tragedy like this happens in the world of football everyone's kind of rallies behind the team and shows their support but um it, it's been sad because Leicester fans have really gotten behind this guy he he took over their ownership in 2010 and ever since then kind of Leicester has kind of lived this Cinderella story obviously we know they won the Premier League um something that is almost considered impossible for a team of their statue in the, in the current Premier League um, environment. And and so people have really gotten behind him, and it's, it's really just a horrible, horrible thing to, to see happen. So um, according to some reports I saw, what they're saying, it, it was uh, reported that the it was the owner and his two daughters and two other unidentified people. Um, but what I also find interesting about these reports is that none of them um, is confirmed. They're not confirmed dead yet as of right now. But a lot of people are saying that there's no way anyone could have survived yeah. based on how how the helicopter, based on how everything went down, yeah. essentially. Um, but like you said, it's actually awful, not just because, you know, it is, a, you know, a human life that is, you know, lost, unfortunately. And and it was a horrific crash. But like you said, that he we see a lot of stories of these foreign owners coming into to different clubs and really not getting support from the fans yeah um you actually have that very common across a lot of the prem teams um but it's really nice to see uh lesser city fans actually have taken to him very well people like him a lot they they genuinely enjoyed his entire tenure as the owner and it's really sad to see that that this happened and i mean it's such a an awful place for it to happen too, like right outside of their stadium where it meant so much for, for everybody there. Um, so my heart goes out to, to him and his family and, and to all the Leicester city fans, because this is genuinely, genuinely shocking. On a bit of a lighter note, uh, our friend at Neymar is back at it again. Uh, he's just back, <laughs> back at it again. Literally. He is, uh, sporting two new tattoos, um, on his back and they are of Spider-Man and Batman. And to the normal set of eyes, you would think, why why Batman and Spider-Man? But after doing a little bit of uh, reading, Neymar has always been a pretty avid fan of comic books, even getting his own comic book series, Neymar Jr., out during the World Cup, I believe. And um, yeah, he just really wanted to show the love for the comic books and more or less i think he's more of a batman guy than anything else uh i would agree to that i think just because you know he's super rich and could do whatever he wanted and he happens to be a superhero on the field yeah um i'm yeah i mean i've, I've said it enough on this podcast that i love Neymar more than anything but these t- tattoos are horrendous horrendous it's like the anyone who hasn't seen it, it it's like they've like did the whole fake skin ripped thing i don't know what how to even it really explain but it, it looks like s- the superheroes are run- jumping out of his ripped back and i just don't i just don't i just don't get it it's a little it's just like it's, it's so m- it's too much yeah it's so so bad i just don't get it anymore this is just <laughs> such a weird weird tattoo um and it's like it it's funny when you get to a point where you're you're so popular that anything you do just becomes major headline news across <laughs> the world. But then when you do something like this where it's so out there and it's so gaudy and it's so like, 
here it is. I had this whole canvas on my back, and I could do a lot of different things. You could he could have done what like Memphis Depay did, which is like a big lion's face on his yeah. back or things like that. But no, no, he just gets Batman and Spider Man jumping through ripped flesh on his back. Yeah, I don't really. I wouldn't connect like huge, like probably one of the biggest soccer players ever. Like they usually have some pretty dope yeah, tattoos, yeah. and you see this, and it's just like, dang! Like you could be on like a subreddit of like, wow, <laughs> look what came into the shop, and I had to do this today. Like, yeah, oh man. But what's funny too is that like he actually does have dope tattoos. Otherwise, yeah. like he has a lot of other really awesome tattoos. And then this one just seems so out of place. But hey, man, he, I don't think he's ever been someone to play by the rules, I guess. He's always been kind of out there. So does it shock me? No. Is it weird? Sure. He also has some other weird... I mean, he has a tattoo of his sister on his arm, right? Like, I think that's kind of weird. Like, I get True. the mom and dad thing, but the sister thing is weird to So me. you know how we love talking about footballing conspiracies? Yeah. This one's a fun one. <laughs> a lot of people think... And I think we've touched upon yeah, this a little bit as well. It's just another... Uh, not on the podcast. I not on the podcast? like a private convo thing that we've <laughs> talked about. All right. So podcast, buckle up because this one is interesting. There is a really fun theory out there. And I guess fun depending on how you look at it. Fun theory if that... you're into incest. <laughs> uh, it, there's a theory out there that Neymar and his sister are very, 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 very close. And by what I mean by that is that they probably bone. Because... <laughs> because... Uh, every single year on her birthday, he will not play. He will have some phantom injury. It's been five years running now that every single year. I think last year he got a red card too. He so he was out for a few, like a weekend. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like a full. So so it's it, you could actually look this up. Is that every year he's either injured or he does something to get himself to not play on her birthday, and will Whoa. always find a way to be with her. Now. Me and a couple of other buddies have have looked at her Instagram, and she is well, very attractive, but sort of looks like him, <laughs> which is like, I think she's objectively good looking, but also looks way too much like Neymar. But it's a very, very interesting theory that this also further solidifies that theory a little bit because he has a big tattoo of her. It's not like her name on his on his wrist or something like that. It's like her face on his body. So. Make of that what you will. And it's not only that, though. There have been a lot of pictures that have come out that are kind of dubious as to, like, <laughs> what's what's going on here? Like, really? she's draped like, all over like him. more than just, like, sibling love, almost. It's, like, just a little weird. And I don't know if it's just because the perception changes once that you kind of have this in your mind, but... Yeah, just creepy, weird stuff going on. So what you're saying is that it's like confirmation bias. Yeah, Sometimes, yeah it's like not, it's not necessarily it. <laughs> like maybe it is sibling love, but after you think that they're banging, it's a little different. You know yeah, because I mean? there are always people out there who have like super close relationships yeah, yeah, with yeah. their siblings, but then there's like that kind yeah, of relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it's just confirmation bias or if it's just genuinely weird, but. But hey, he's got I, I life is a joke I've, on his... I kind of have been on the train of it being a little too weird for me. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if I appreciate their love for each other. <laughs> yeah, I think it's gone to a point where it's a little, little too weird. I'd yeah. hop on board that train and, and take that. <laughs> Which train? The weird train. Oh, okay. That. So you meant like <laughs> no. the, the, his sister. The incest train. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, like you only have brothers, so that'd be weird. But I got a sister too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, no, sister. I love my sister, but I never put her on my arm. Sorry, sis. <laughs> <laughs> love you, Dan, but I can't. Yeah, so... Uh, all right neymar if you're listening to this uh, i don't we mean, love you yeah it's just been weird man just <laughs> tame it down a little bit 
You know what? Like, and I think that begs the question of like, should we give a crap about what footballers do off the field if they're banging their sisters? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna leave it at that. I got, I got nothing else. Um, but all right, guys, moving on to our last bit of news for this week. It's a little bit older. Um, and like we said, we've been gone. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we've been gone. So. Uh, this was big major news, and we've talked about this extensively on this podcast before, but the Columbus crew are saved, friends. We Woo. got news a couple weeks ago that the owner of the Cleveland Browns is in agreement to purchase the Columbus crew to keep the crew in Ohio, while Anthony Precourt, the previous owner of the Columbus crew, will get his wish to have a team in Austin, Texas, and this is very, very significant for many, many reasons because we've talked about how amazing the crew are and how they should stay in uh, in Columbus and how they are so important to the MLS. But it is also more important because we were talking about this on episode 41 and I personally gave this as an option on episode 41 of this podcast that someone should buy the Columbus crew and keep them in Ohio and give Anthony Precourt a team in Austin. So you know what? I think it's about time we give ourselves a round of applause and a clap on the back because <laughs> we were right. Oh, yeah, Louis was right. Louis knew everything. Shout out whatever intern is listening to this podcast and gave their boss this idea because um, you probably just got a nice bonus and salary off of Louis' um, genius idea. Yeah, we do this for you. And just chalk this up for another win for the Culture FC idea board, <laughs> ex-American yeah. soccer one step at a time, yeah. because I think that our track record is speaking for itself, guys. Yeah. The longer you listen to this podcast, the more you might see things get fixed because Absolutely. of our ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but back to the actual news. Uh, part of this purchase is that this mandate for the... Essentially, what is going to be happening is the Columbus crew will remain in Columbus, but part of the mandate is that this new crew 2.0 is what the way they're describing it as will have to secure a site for a brand new stadium, which is actually major news because what they could have done was just, okay, cool. Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Browns is just going to buy the crew and they're going to remain as is. But the, the fact is that it wasn't at that simple um, because a lot of people, when they were talking about online about how worried they were of someone else buying the crew and keeping him in Columbus is that things would remain the same, that it would, wouldn't change. And it would kind of be the same way it is now, which isn't, good um their stadium yes was the first soccer specific stadium but it's also falling apart so that was one of their main issues that they wanted to uh fix and so with this new agreement it puts pressure and and forces the new ownership to find a new stadium in columbus with that being said we're not really too sure of what the like land is like yeah, out yeah. there because even like as we've seen in boston it's not exactly super easy to just kind of like okay here plop a stadium down um but we'll see how it is, how, how what ends up happening because you know they, there is no mandate in terms of timeline for the stadium, but it is a long term plan. But that being said, there are teams playing in much worse stadiums than Matt Free Stadium. Sure, it's a little bit older, a little bit you know not as nice. But that being said, it, it's probably doable for now, and hopefully. Um, if you guys have been watching the MLS recap show we have on YouTube, you'll see that we kind of rag on the Columbus fans a little bit because they some of them did sort of start to abandon this team when they thought they were moving. Hopefully this announcement starts to bring them back to the stadium, especially as the MLS playoffs start revving up because, you know, support your local team, goddammit. Go do it. Go do your thing. Um, but what do you guys think? Like, are you guys excited about this news? Like, what, what do you guys think about this? No, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, you never want to see, in, like, an, an OG club in any league. Um disappear i mean it's just not great for the sport not great for um the growth of a league i i, I really like the crew and um and kind of all that they have been a part of in the mls so it's it's interesting and and really really great that they are, are 
being allowed to, to stay in the MLS and they're going to be staying in Columbus. And, and hopefully you're right in that their fans now get behind them. I think that that has been something that we've harped on a little bit of um, their fans not really showing up. But I think this will change that. I think people now are, are going to be behind it because it, it's kind of a refreshing um, it's a it's a breath of fresh air for them and knowing that they're going to have some security there and that they're not they're they're kind of their supporting efforts won't go to waste if that makes sense yeah um so no it's, it's good and it's going to be great for the mls i think overall and just not to cut you off be just real no, quick to okay. interject the only thing is is um we should point out of course is that this was only a thing that happened the only reason they were saved is because of the fans going out there and showing their support so i don't want you guys misconstrued that what we're saying here is yes the people in columbus 100 percent wanted their club even the mayor of columbus wanted their club the people there were fighting for it what i'm talking about is people showing up to the games in the stands right, there physical, was a right. there was a lot of people because you know what i mean anytime there's like a, a like a, a protest or something that people are getting involved in there's always a small group of people who make the biggest change right 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 and a lot of the people are just kind of like they support it but from far away so hopefully those people who are supporting from far away now go back to the games i got a crazy conspiracy so bob Kraft, patriots owner also owns the revs right i don't know how many other football team owners own soccer teams as well but uh from my- what i know there's arthur blank who owns the atlanta falcons and atlanta united now jimmy haslam who owns the browns and will be owning the crew and um uh Kraft. bob Kraft, yeah. who owns the two and then i think uh the guy who owns kansas city chiefs owns something i could be wrong but so i think there's a paradigm shift happening boys <laughs> i think that with all the injuries in football and you know just like the popularity of soccer abroad and seeing how well you atlanta united has done and just where the sport's going, I think there's going to be a major shift in where these owners are going to take a lot more pride into what they do for soccer because they see it as another market to enter into and see how well that you can and how much money you can make. Yeah. So I think that these football owners are actually going to do the right thing after seeing Atlanta. Like they're going to put more money. And I know Bob Kraft, we, we always argue like, is he really doing a lot for the revs? But like, I think that, there are going to be moves made in the near future. Quote me on it because we're going to be right about something else out there. Another idea board. So B, this is super interesting that you said this because I was actually talking to somebody at, um, I was talking to someone the other day about this. And I have, the fact that you said that makes me so happy because my theory is that Bob Kraft is simply waiting for the Patriots to stop winning to then focus on the revs because he's friends with all these guys. They're all, you know, they're all in this like circle of, of football group owners. But my theory is that he is simply waiting for the Patriots to stop being good to then start giving a crap about the Revs because the simple fact that the NFL's ratings have been dropping year over year over year for the past five years. People are tuning in less. People are not watching as much. People are like the, the, the fact remains is that people are getting brain injuries and brain damage from football, yet the NFL is doing nothing about it. And people, that's not sitting well with people. So my theory on this, and we're putting this up to the Culture FC idea board, is that as soon as the Pats start sucking, the Revs will start making waves, we'll have a new stadium, all this stuff will happen. Why do you think he's waiting for them to suck? So I I think my, my choice of words there is not the appropriate words it's not necessarily waiting i think he's super wrapped up in the Mm, patriots being so great and winning so much and going to super bowls year in and year out that it's not so much as waiting i think that he clearly sees the value of having a soccer team or he wouldn't have invested 26 years ago but i think that 
yes, he's been trying to get a stadium, but it hasn't been full on effort. It's been like minimal effort from his part to try and find a stadium, yeah, yeah. of course. Um, the biggest effort that we saw come from him was when we thought Boston was going to try and host the Olympics in uh, 2026 or whatever it was, which True. ended up not coming through. So it didn't work out that way. Um, now, what I'm thinking is, is that what will happen is that when the Patriots start to suck again and or become a middling team, they don't have to go down to yep. like the absolute basement bottom of the nfl but let's say tom brady retires bill belichick retires i think that as soon as that we hit that plateau as a as a football team true he'll look at it and go shit well soccer's on its way up in america uh, we have a soccer team that we've been neglecting for 20 something <laughs> years why don't we do something to make this the best team in all of mls and that's when i think we'll see the revs really take off yeah. okay so that's once the dynasty once the dynasty is kind of on its way out yeah. i like that idea board whoo Look at I that. I should start writing these down. <laughs> Luckily, we have actual proof of these getting recorded and stuff. But anyway, back to the crew, which, you know, was the whole point of this. Um, what is very exciting for me as well is to think that what I what I had mentioned, and I don't even know if it was the podcast or one of the shows, is that with FC Cincinnati joining the MLS next year, it'll be really cool to have two Ohio teams, yeah. which we've spoken about how important rivalries are. And I'm not saying, hey, force a rivalry with these two yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. Definitely not. Because <laughs> that's just, we talked extensively about how much we dislike the fact that it, the MLS kind of forces rivalries. But I think it's good to have in one geographical location, two teams with good support. Yeah. We've seen FC Cincinnati be breaking records in the USL for, for attendance. And I'm pretty sure they're breaking them now in the USL playoffs. So, you know, next year, once they enter the MLS, it'll be really great to see two teams in Ohio, and that'll be awesome, you know what I mean, versus just having the one in FC Cincinnati. So very pumped for FC Cincinnati to come in and very, very pumped to have the Columbus crew continue to be in the league. No, yeah, overall, good news. Um, it's it's exciting to, to see where they're going to go from here, and hopefully they get the support that they deserve um, back in the stadiums. But all right, you guys, moving along to our main news topic of this week. Today is Sunday, October 28th, and El Clasico starts in about 15 minutes. And why is this interesting? Uh, because today we want to talk a little bit about why this rivalry is so important and what it means to both clubs. As a little background, we have been gone for a couple of weeks, and that reason being that Louis was actually out in Spain. He was in both of those cities, Madrid and Barcelona. So we wanted to take this opportunity for him and for all of our listeners um, to kind of get into that. Louis got to experience the kind of diverse um, cultures of both cities. And not only that, see the, the different dynamics that um, go into the Barcelona-Real Madrid rivalry on the pitch and both outside of it. I mean, there are so many different political issues that, that both teams represent and, and stand for that it's, it's different if, if we were just talking about it without ever having experienced it. Whereas Louis has actually gotten to go to the city, see what is so different between Barcelona and, and Madrid as cities and, and, and the cultures that they stand for. So we kind of wanted to take this opportunity. It just fell in line perfectly with the with the Clasico. Unfortunately, Louis couldn't have been there for that. Ooh. Bad timing on oh, his part. I but, know. But yeah, so we wanted to use that as kind of the canvas for the episode today. And as Louis is describing his experience there, we get into the different topics um, that, that make the El Clasico such a fit, probably the, the most famous rivalry in the world. So, 
I will say if we had just if we had seen the the schedule prior to scheduling our whole trip, we could have pushed this whole trip a week forward, and I could have potentially been at the game. But as you'll find out later, I have such bad luck that maybe wouldn't have even mattered. So <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to hear about this because I have not heard a word about your trip. So genuine reactions all around. So before I dive into my trip, uh, to give you guys a little bit of background behind why this rivalry is so important is that when you think about a derby a classico or a rivalry in soccer usually both clubs stem from the same city uh, i'm thinking inter milan versus ac milan uh like the merseyside derby in england uh the boca juniors river plate which is you know people describe as one of the craziest ones any of the ones in brazil basically yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those are the ones that are like they 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 usually shine the brightest those are the biggest derby so why is it that Two cities separated by a little over 600 kilometers is considered a rivalry, a derby. Well, the reason for that, it kind of boils down to a little bit of geopolitical tension, right? So so basically to understand this rivalry, you have to understand that uh, for the longest time, Real Madrid represented like Spanish nationalism and what it meant to be Spanish and like these central themes and, and ideals of what it meant to be truly Spanish. And it was very, very much nationalistic and it was a pride of the country for Real Madrid, or at least it was portrayed as such. Whereas FC Barcelona is seen as it's Catalan nationalism. It's it's the the region's nationalistic pride. And you're thinking nationalism refers to a nation. And isn't Barcelona part of Spain? And 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 what is this that you're talking about? Well, to explain that a little bit to you guys, uh, Barcelona is the capital of an autonomous region of Spain called Catalonia. And essentially, uh, currently, it's it's a state of it it'd be like the equivalent of a state of the united states it'd be like if catalonia was texas and barcelona was whatever the capital of texas is because i don't know um but in reality for the longest time catalonia has been wanting to secede from spain and become its own nation and what's in it's it, and the reason why is because they have their own culture almost in Catalonia. They actually their main language isn't Spanish, despite the fact that they are in Spain. And I know that sounds a little weird. Uh, yes, the people there do speak Spanish, but their uh, the language of Catalonia is Catalan, which is actually closer to uh, people say it's actually closer to like a mix of like French and Italian and Portuguese than it is to uh, Spanish. Wow. What's interesting about this is that I'm 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 fluent in Spanish. In Madrid, I spoke to everybody in Spanish. I understood everything that was going on. I get to Barcelona and I'm watching television. I turn on Barca TV and I'm stunned that I don't understand a word this guy is hmm. saying. The guy's speaking super fast and he goes, Brothers, Neymar, Luis Suarez. And I'm sitting there going, What is this guy saying? I didn't, for whatever reason, I thought that Catalan was probably just like a riff on Spanish. Like, yeah. ah, it's probably similar. <laughs> they roll their R's a little different. Dude, I was absolutely lost. Wow. And so. That being said, they have their own culture, their own language, their own customs, and basically they want to be their own country. And what's very interesting about this is that they actually passed a referendum last October to make Catalonia its own nation. So for all intents and purposes, things were voted on. They were ready to secede from Spain and become its own country. But <laughs> the government in Madrid actually sent in police troops to close down polls in Catalonia, all across Catalonia. And there was police violence. There were people getting hurt. And a lot of things went down. And what ended up happening was even the king of Spain came out and said that this was illegal. The government of Spain, their stance on this is that it was 100% illegal for this to happen. And so as of right now, uh, Catalonia is still part of Spain, 
but no one can really tell you why what's going on and if you google is catalonia independent or not you will not get a clear answer (laughs) essentially right now it is still acting as a state of spain but it is there's they've been they've declared their own independence so unfortunately that's about as much as i know on that side and sorry for butchering a little bit i'm trying to make this tangible for our listeners in the 1900s from 1930 until about 1970 when he died Uh, Francisco Franco was the military dictator of Spain. Uh, Spain was under military dictatorship for the majority of the, the, of that period from the, like I said, from the 1930s until the 1970s. And there was a Spanish civil war, which was a very prominent event that happened during the the 20th century there. And essentially what had, what was happening during that time, especially in soccer was back in the Franco era, Real Madrid were Franco's team. He viewed it as the his crown jewel. He used it to spur on nationalism throughout all of Spain and it became the symbol of uni- of a unified Spain, of what it meant to be Spanish. Despite the fact that there were so many different cultures in Spain, there's so many different people in Spain that like it's kind of strange to try and unify all of them, but for him, Real Madrid became a symbol of Spanish nationalism. And so they represented everything that it meant to be Spanish. It was these ideals. And in that time, Franco told all of the Spanish clubs throughout the country that they could not sign anybody who was not a Spanish mm. uh, citizen. They had to be Spanish. They had to be. Um, they had to be Spanish. Except he turned around and told Real Madrid they could sign whoever they wanted. That he would get them Spanish passports, regardless of who it was. Which is why, for the longest time, Real Madrid were the most successful club in all of Europe because he basically backed them as a, you know, he was the the head of state and he backed this club. Um, On the flip side, Barcelona were viewed as these like freedom fighters, these Democrats. They were like viewed as like the the resistance or at least they crafted themselves out to be. And in the 1930s when this was happening, what was really interesting is that Barcelona had a president uh, who was actually kidnapped and assassinated without trial or executed without trial by Franco's regime just for the way he he spoke against the Spanish military dictatorship. And um, essentially, Barcelona had developed a re- reputation as a symbol of Catalan identity, um, as, a, as a form of rebellion. The way that Real Madrid was being seen as this, um, the symbol of Spanish nationalism, Barcelona was being viewed as the symbol of resistance against this regime. And it was around this time that Barcelona's motto of Mesque un club, which means more than a club, started to be used. And so a lot of people attribute it to something that's that was more a little politically motivated rather than just trying to say we are bigger than a club. Um, it, 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 it was seen as a, a defiant outcry against the Spanish nationalists. What was also interesting is that during this time, the Spanish government had a list of organizations that they wanted to purge from Spain because they felt that they clashed with Spanish ideals. And FC Barcelona were on that list and probably very top of that list. Um, And so that's a very quick overview of the political tensions between both sides. And, you know, yes, it is 2018 and the dictatorship has not existed since uh, 1970s. And so some people say that this story is more of a myth now than it is fact um, because they say that this story, they they say it fits both sides. This myth is a lie that both sides tell nowadays because it helps them put these two clubs above every other club in Spain. Essentially, it's something that a lot of people attribute saying like, yeah, maybe it was at one point, but now we view it more. We still continue to put on this myth because it makes our both of our clubs more important than everybody else in the country, which if you think about it, it How really many does. clubs do you think about in Spain aside from Real right, Madrid and Barcelona? Right. None. Very few. 
I think of Zaragoza. There, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, me too. I never think of them. That's a total. Lie. I think about them because I was I was there, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, side note: When I was there, if I had looked, I could have gone to a Real, Real Zaragoza game. They had a they had a Copa del Rey game like the night that I was there, and we weren't doing anything. We we're just yeah. sitting in the hotel, and I was like, "Fuck!" So I watched it on TV. But <laughs> so I watched it on TV. <laughs> um, they're on the second. Di- they're they are now in second division, and well, whatever. Um, but what? But I'm also not entirely convinced that this is just a myth based on what I said about how Catalonia wants to secede from Spain. True. Um, Based on all the tensions recently and and the fact that they do want to split themselves off, I don't view it as a myth anymore because for the people in the stands, it probably is important. Um, And it probably does mean these things. to Sure, maybe it was their, their grandparents, grandparents, grandparents who had to deal with this or whatever it was. But, you know... It still is significant. It's historically significant. And, and, you know, today Real Madrid is just a big successful club and they're not really backed by the government at all. And Barcelona are very, very successful as well. So, yeah, maybe that they are perpetrating that myth, but there still is some of that sentiment deep rooted into it. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, even listening to your story when you visited there, you had mentioned something that was kind of quite fascinating about um, the flags, right? Seeing all the flags on the street and how different it was between the two regions. So... From my experience, I landed in Madrid, right? And driving to the from the airport to the hotel, I was paying attention to all the buildings and like taking a look at everything. And every like terrace or little balcony on these buildings had the Spanish flag draped over them, or a majority of them had the Spanish flag draped over the balcony. And like they were very Spanish, they loved uh, the like being Spanish and everything like that. Even from my interactions with the people, like the, like bartender servers the people that we interacted with on a day-to-day basis you know doing touristy stuff what i found in madrid to be very fascinating is that they are very very much about themselves they're very much about being spanish and being um being who they are uh so much so that you can almost you can almost misconstrue it as being rude and arrogant um okay they to give you an idea the people in Madrid, not many of them speak that much English and not that they have to, they are, you know, they are their own country and it's fine. Um, but they also kind of look down on you for not speaking Spanish. And the reason I say this is that my girlfriend is currently teaching English in Madrid. And so she says that the people she works with, when she says something incorrectly, sometimes just laugh in her face, but that's just part of, I guess that's just part of their culture. She says, and they don't mean it necessarily to degrade her, but they just like, they, they laugh it off, but then they're over it a yeah, second yeah. later. It's just almost like, a, oh, you're not Spanish and you don't, well, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, but yeah, they're yeah. like kind of over it right after. Um, so I found that to be very interesting. And I, I experienced it with, with servers, right? So one day I was super, super tired from, I was jet lagged. And like, I think I said something a little incorrect in Spanish. And the guy was like, huh? And like, basically was just like pretending like he couldn't understand me yeah, until yeah. I got it right. Yeah. Wow. So it was like this thing where they're very proud of themselves, very proud of their language, very proud of their their uh, ideals, right? But then in contrast, uh, in Barcelona, going from the airport to the hotel, driving through the city streets, I saw so many Catalan flags hanging over the balconies and not a single, not a single one. I did not see a single Spanish flag anywhere. And so you'd think like, I always thought that people perpetuated this. And like, I was like, oh, it's not that, it's not that severe. It's not that crazy. But then you get there and like you don't see a Spanish flag anywhere. Um, the main things are all written in Catalan with Spanish written right below them. Yeah. So it's like, wow, how could you only be 600 kilometers away in the same country, but it be completely different? And all of a sudden it's like, 
whoa, like it really is very different culturally. And then from speaking to people in Barcelona, everybody, everybody spoke English. Every single server we had, everybody there spoke English and they spoke Catalan and they spoke Spanish. That's three lang three languages. You know what I mean? And so I don't know why that stood out so much to me, but it just, it showed a little bit more of that, like they're more liberal about how they feel yeah. and they're more left leaning almost just yeah. based on their culture. Right. Um, they're more accepting of other things versus Madrid is very much like we're Spanish. This is what we do. Blah, 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 blah. And so I found that to be absolutely fascinating. Well, this, this brings up a super interesting topic and it, it's kind of what makes um, the sport of soccer so different from sports in the world is that even if you don't understand why your club stands for something, if it's a part of the history, it it plays a role, right? Sometimes you can you can um, you'll hear about rivalries, or you can be from a city and be a part of a rivalry without knowing what the underlying um, rivalry with another um, club is, right? But but you have that sentiment, you have that feeling, and and you know that this is what your club stands for. So when you're saying um, if you don't you don't necessarily agree that that story is a myth as to why the, the rivalry exists. Um, you might not even have to, right? It, it, it could have been, but if you have that sentiment when you're going into the cities, it, it, there probably is some validity to it, right? I think that that's super important in, in terms of um, the sport because it, di it does differentiate between the two clubs. Some, some part of that does, right? And uh, I think even when they... they um, promote the rivalries it's seen as like Real Madrid the superstar galactical club not that Barcelona doesn't have this kind of um, same galactical appeal they have these the world's best players whatever but it's always demonstrated as kind of being the the Real Madrid the the super almost like egotist, e egotistical club versus Barcelona the humble um, kind of uh, lovable club per se right so it may not be true, but but these things play an important role in how these clubs are seen worldwide. It's, yeah, it, yeah, it definitely perpetuates this that kind of historical like clash that they've yeah. had. And even as like me, an outsider who I, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm enamored with the La Liga, but like these two clubs, they they totally kind of just the vibe that they give off yeah. is almost just like Real Madrid, like you said, like you see the crown, like you just see. That just like regal. You see and the then, crown, the white, clean, like, like kit. Exactly. Everything is so clean and majestic and glorified and angelic almost. Like Yeah, and then Barcelona is, is a little bit more of a contrast club. And it's it's just amazing that unlike other sports, you kind of it, it plays out in on the field almost in like what they wear and just how how the clubs are run a little bit. Um, it's amazing. You don't see that with a lot of other sports. No, and what what I love about what Alan just said and B just touched touched upon a little further is that even when it was Messi versus Cristiano Ronaldo, you looked at it like Cristiano Ronaldo, the superstar that they bought from uh, Manchester United, who had just won the Ballon d'Or, who was the best player in the world at the time. They bought him, and they that's what they want to do. They want to have the best players. They want to buy everybody. They have that power. They are powerful. Versus Barcelona, it was like we raise our own. We have Xavi, Iniesta, uh, Messi. Boost gets all these players that came up from our academy, and that's why we're so great. But at the end of the day, when you, when you realize it today and you compare both sides, Barcelona have spent probably more money over the last two years than Real Madrid have spent over the yeah. last two years. Think of this. Philippe Cochin, one of the most expensive players on the planet. Usman Dembele, one of the most expensive players on the planet. These players, like they're signing them, and like, yes, we understand that 
for the longest time, it was true, probably, right? And what you have to understand about FC Barcelona is that their history, yeah, it's long, but their best history is probably only 30 years old. Barcelona is a club that is very young in terms of importance. I know that, and I someone's going to kill me and shoot me if they hear yeah, this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't want you to misconstrue what I'm saying. The way we view Barcelona today is not the way that people viewed Barcelona in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Barcelona really started to matter globally starting in the 90s um, and, and even more late 90s. Yeah. I mean, they they're, all of their Champions League wins have come over the last 30 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and European Cup wins yeah. have come over the last 30 years. Whereas Real Madrid have been significant since the, or globally significant since the 1950s. Um, so I think that it's that little contrast is very, very important because, yes, it probably mattered back like 30 years ago where one club was viewed as this, on this massive pedestal of being the angelic, clean, white club. And white, I don't mean like by people, I mean that like just being <laughs> clean, clean, pure. Yeah, clean yeah. pure. And whereas Barcelona, like, with their mix of colors on their kit and the fact that they they are more towards the people, it, it it mattered back then. But now you look at it, you're like, what are you talking about? These are the two most popular, most valuable yeah. clubs on the planet. And it's interesting. What I experienced uh, in terms of, of experiencing, like maybe, maybe as close as I got to match culture was the day I got to Madrid, we actually did a tour of the Bernabeu, right? Which was amazing. Like got to see the stadium, which was really cool. Got up to the top stands. It was amazing. But then we did a tour of the trophy room, and, and I kid you not, it was a very, very long walk of just looking <laughs> at a ton of trophies. And if you guys were, if you guys followed the Treble Instagram account, which is at Treble Soccer, you could have seen uh, some of that. I put some of the videos on on the Instagram. But going through that the the hallway of look and looking at the five most recent Champions League trophies, I actually got goosebumps because yeah. it was so amazing. Um, but what was interesting about that is that like these two clubs attract people and tourists from around the world. Like I'll tell you this right now. Yes. I went to Spain to watch, <laughs> I went to Spain to see my girlfriend. <laughs> yes. And spend as much time with her as because I love her and she's awesome. But <laughs> one thing that I was looking forward to so much was going to the Barcelona game that we had tickets to. Right. And so fast forward, uh, to our, our part of Barcelona and, we had planned the entire trip around the Barcelona game being Sunday night at 8 o'clock. We had our tickets that said so. The email that I got officially from the club said it was Sunday at 8 o'clock. That had, was on everything we had seen, right? So we're in Barcelona. We actually did a, a touristy bus, and we're, we drive right past the camp now, and I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. I took a video of it, and I was like, this is awesome. We went to this little bar. We, had, we went to an official Barcelona store that had a little museum that had really cool, like, really awesome stuff. Um that like had like the pictures of the squads of each of the years, even dating back to the nineties. It was really awesome. And then there was people selling tickets at, in the store, but it was so congested that we we're like, Oh, let's leave. We already have our tickets. We're fine. But what I saw was it was a ton of tourists, people from all over the world. A lot of Americans like buying tickets to the game that day. So then whatever that this is Saturday, the day before the game was supposed to be. And we go out to dinner for my sister's 30th birthday and we're at dinner having an amazing time we were three bottles of wine deep like each of us had like a bunch of entrees we were like stuffed i turn on my phone's data for a second just to like see if i could like update instagram or something like that all of a sudden i get a notification on my phone that says uh barcelona sevilla barcelona up one nothing in the 51st minute and i'm like this could be this has to be wrong game's tomorrow and i'm sitting at dinner <laughs> and i pull up my phone right and I'm, I'm sitting there and I look it up and I'm like, guys, 
the games today, the games right now, and I, I'm devastated. Like I'm sitting at dinner, like I'm <laughs> absolutely. I can only devastated. imagine. I wanted to die at that moment. Oh. And like these tickets were not cheap. No. And we, it was five tickets that we bought. So it was a lot of money we spent, right? So credit to my sister. It's her birthday. She goes, get up. Let's pay. We paid our bill. We hopped in a taxi. We're flying to the camp now. We were downtown Barcelona to the camp now. Probably like a 15-minute drive, right? And to this taxi driver's credit, this man literally was booking it like down the street because he looked at We're like, hey, we got to go to the camp now. He was like, what as if like because he was listening to the game on the radio yeah. and he's like what do you mean you have to go to the camp now it's the 52nd minute or whatever the fuck it was and so he is he's flying rushing us to the camp now we get there we get to the gate it's like the 60th minute at this moment the guy's like oh this gate's not open you have to go around so we're booking it i'm running everybody's running behind me and we get to the other gate we get inside we finally get into the gate that gets us into the stadium. And the lady goes, oh, your tickets aren't going to work here. You have to go to the gate on the... It's This is gate 26. So you have to go to gate 90. And I'm like, are you kidding, lady? At this point, it's like the 70th minute. I'm like, there's only 20 minutes left. Can you just let us in? She's like, no, I can't. It just won't work. And I'm like, oh my God, just please let us in. She's like, no. So I, we're running, we're running, we're running. Get to the next closest gate. The time's running down. I'm getting desperate. And I'm like telling the people, I'm like, please let us in. There's only 15 minutes left. We just want to experience the match culture. Sorry, you can't. You have to go to the next gate. At this point, I'm losing it. I start, oh. I I kid you not, there was a very small man who was doing the uh, the ticketing check at the gate. And I've never wanted to fight somebody more <laughs> in my life than the guy who was like, yeah, sorry, you have to go to gate 90. And I dude, I I was devastated. And long yeah. story short, didn't get into the game, uh, missed out completely. Uh, um, I saw the outside of the camp now three times in a weekend, I guess, yeah, which is something. Um, but this has nothing to do with the topic. I'm just venting because. Well, I'm no, I think it, I think it does a little bit. I, I mean, you. I mean, I've heard the story, but you you were saying that people there weren't necessarily the the humble, um, super. Um, people friendly people that you think of when you think of barcelona right? oh like, absolutely not so the next morning we went to go talk to somebody at the ticketing gate and we're like hey like what's going on here like our, our ticket said it was sunday and the guy's like well if you look closely at your ticket it says that the date and time were not confirmed and i'm like that's fine sir this is an official uh communication from fc barcelona saying that the game is this time He's like no no it's your fault it's your problem you didn't look at the time that's oh, not our shit. problem and i'm like well we bought the tickets from you, and if it says that the date and time are supposed to be confirmed, don't you think you're the ones who are supposed to be confirming it because you're the one selling the tickets and yeah. you're the ones putting on the game? No, no, it's your problem. The club wow. has nothing to do with this. And I'm like, is, and then and she's like, what do you want us to do? Send an email to everybody? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you sent an email with the ticket. Why can't you send an email with the confirmed date, confirmed date, date and time? <laughs> oh, it's not our problem. It's your problem. And the woman yeah. had the audacity to hand me a piece of paper printed out from their shitty fucking printer that's it was oh you can fill out this official complaint form and i'm like why would i fill out this form that you're gonna literally throw behind you the yeah, second right? i <laughs> hand it to you like yeah. no i'm good yeah. damn so yeah that's got that's crazy to think that like even such a club as barcelona like the huge fat club that's in our eyes just uh one doesn't confirm a time like that's a that, that's crazy in in my head to think like oh you need to know what time it is like what do you mean like you're one of the most you're you how much money have you spent you can't send out an email <laughs> yeah. confirmation you're one of the richest clubs in the world. you can't even look at us and give us fucking something i don't know yeah. like they're like oh you're not gonna get your money back before we so this is even funnier 
the guy we were talking to, like the quote unquote manager, he looked at us and before we even mentioned anything about money, we didn't mention <laughs> anything that we wanted our, our tickets reimbursed. We didn't say anything. We just wanted to talk to somebody about something. And the guy goes, you're not going to get your money back. <laughs> wow. So they were like, yeah, no, just to let you know, there's just no money involved in this. And I was like, sir, I didn't even say anything about money. We just want to talk to somebody about like anything, dude. He's like, yeah, you're not going to get your money back. <laughs> so expect us not to really listen to you because we already told you you're not giving your money back. So Best we're part done. was the woman said, oh, you can fill out the sheet or you can contact the website. So, of course, I'm like, well, email has a paper trail. I'll be able to actually have a track of the True. email. Sent an email. It has been a week today that I've sent the email. Do you think I've gotten a response? No. Was it I in, have not. Was it in Catalan? sorry our email only responds to catalan <laughs> um no but okay so this is cool because um it depicts barcelona different in a different image in a different light than the the general media does right like everyone thinks of them as the 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 nice club uh, they more than a club they, they love they love everyone people love them right and it's different and i think what what in recent times has really helped that image has been the ronaldo messi rivalry right again two guys that depict the cultures very very well ronaldo seen as the arrogant um super poster boy child fixes his hair during matches all this the glitz the glam (laughs) messi seen as the kind of little boy who had to um struggle through um physical problems he fought through 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 the mud to, to get up to where he is one of the best players in the world etc cetera, etc cetera. super humble never humble hear him yeah speak. never it, all of these crazy you know, they depict the, the two cities very well um and to hear your side of the story and hear that it's not necessarily like this especially from a fan's perspective um but but this rivalry ha- has depicted that very well and kind of helped perpetuate that image of these two cities um has been super interesting I, i'm gonna be fascinated to see how this changes going forward once Messi retires and leaves Barcelona Ronaldo already being gone True. from there um how if these two images are perpetuated over the next five to ten years right because um you're right in saying that Barcelona has spent just and just as much if not more than Real Madrid they're not necessarily this club that's promoting youth or they this super humble club they do shady things um to get players gone. I mean, Constantly. think of the Luis Suarez saga, all of these sagas that they have with players. They're like Neymar. C- Felipe Coutinho was another one who's, who's had shady transfers to, to Barcelona where he's um, striking. If he doesn't get the deals, it's stuff that continually keeps happening. And, that, that the media doesn't necessarily cover as a whole. It's like, oh no, Barcelona. He just wants to go to his dream club, Barcelona. Yeah. But you don't think that there's something behind Barcelona saying like, Hey, Stop playing for them. Get a strike, and we'll get you. We'll get you in in, in our club eventually, right? It, it's they're not necessarily this super nice club that that's just like run on perfect morals. They're following the ten commandments of that that are um, place in society, right? So I, I think it'll be interesting to see how this shifts over the next few years, especially because the the bigger they get, the more commercial they get. That's where it's going, right? And I, and I can understand it. And we can and we've talked a little bit about the the. The commercialization a little bit of the sport but it's actually astounding how people look at barcelona in this like humble humble light and i'm not saying they aren't because they do certain things of that nature but at the same time they're not 100 clean their hands aren't 100 clean you know what i mean and yes maybe you guys are, you can definitely take this as bitterness because i'm 100 fucking bitter that i didn't get to go to this game because i was looking forward to this game so much for like th- um, over a month and a half that i bought these tickets and looking forward to it so excited 
and yeah, I am bitter that I missed the damn game. But at the same time, I think it does show that they aren't that clean. They are just as commercialized. They are just as much like money driven, money driven as every other club. And so, but the way these things get reported in the media is astounding. Yeah. I mean, the Neymar transfer has so many different shady allegations to it that it's, it's, right. Another it's one that I forgot to mention. Yeah. It's just like, like when he went from Brazil to Barcelona, he had to go to court for all of the different tax things. The, the president of Barcelona had to resign over it. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. There's so many things that have happened about with, with Barcelona, yet they are genuinely usually viewed as like clean and humble and amazing, yeah, yeah. but they're like not. Yeah, yeah. And it's 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 a really interesting point that Alan brought up. I didn't even think of this. I mean, yeah, Ronaldo's gone, and it, not to say that it's a. I mean, yeah, it's somewhat affected what's a uh, Real Madrid's performance, maybe, but to see in like the five to 10 years from now, like, yeah, most of these amazing players are going to be gone. So where, like, what's going to happen next? Is it going to keep on being shady? Or are we going to, yeah, to start to see the, the humble beginnings kind of come back. But I don't know. I think it's, I think it's impossible at this point to, to not see all the money and the commercialization from just getting that number one fat player and getting those Jersey sales, you know? So it'll be interesting to see where the future lies for both of these clubs. No, yeah, for sure, and, and um, and it's 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 been interesting right now because Real Madrid has started to take a little bit of the the path that Barcelona does in promoting youth, and that's why kind of they're not doing necessarily so hot in the in the Spanish league right now. And people are like, well, um, they aren't playing well. Well, they're following a different path than what they're usually used to doing, right? They're used to buying the Galacticos and just having a a made team, um. But again, it's 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 a storyline that doesn't really get reported. Um, a Real Madrid squad that's promoting youth, promoting these new guys. Right now, it's just seen like, oh, the Real Madrid collapse. And I'm not in favor of Barcelona or Real Madrid in any favor. Like I, no. I, I don't really care necessarily between both of them. Um, but it's just interesting to see that even when these teams are taking different paths, different routes, the 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 reporting on it and how they are presented to the world completely different than what I think is actually happening. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And I think that. It's such a to me. It was so fascinating to think about this in these terms because it was like very, it was an amazing experience to get to go to Spain and experience the culture of each city. And I genuinely love both cities. Like Madrid has a lot of amazing things going for it. To give you a very quick thing, no matter what restaurant you go to, for every round of drinks you get, you get free food. Shout out, and, really? and, and not like little appetizers, like full blown free tapas. Pretty Fuck. much everywhere you go. Yo, that's so, sick. Which is sick because Tapas in the U.S. is like eighteen bucks for a fucking. Question though, broccolini. is it expensive to drink in Madrid? Yeah, no, really. Beers for like a two euro, huh. one and a half euro, depending on where you go. Sure, if you go to a touristy place yeah. or a more high end place, yeah, but you can have just as good of an experience at a lower local place than you can at, at a more expensive wow. place. What I found in Barcelona is that Barcelona is a lot more touristy. Um, you know, it's on the it's in the, it's on the Mediterranean. There's a bunch of beautiful architecture, so everything there's much more expensive than Madrid, and they don't give you free food. Okay. Which is like, okay, cool. You're not giving me free food. I'm not going to hold it against you. But if you go to Madrid, you get free food, which is and, pretty great. And for the, the, the silly people and they may not listen or don't know, what is tapas? Tapas <laughs> is just like small plates. Oh, okay. Small, <laughs> shareable plates that like... Asking can, for a friend. 
right asking yeah asking <laughs> asking for a friend here what is tapas <laughs> tapas is basically just a shared plate amongst friends so it's just like full-blown meals that you can just kind of pick at with your people at your table ah sweet yeah, so i'll let them know next time we go get food yeah. tapas is, is good. don't go to tapas dude i hate tapas so i can make a whole i you know i might do a whole separate podcast on how much <laughs> why but it's just like in america suck. super overpriced and and you get like a broccolini for $18. Don't okay, I'm done venting on it. But um yeah, I mean just again, like different cultures you wouldn't necessarily expect even one that like that little piece of information. Like you wouldn't necessarily think that Madrid the capital would be um giving away free food versus where Barcelona you have to pay for all your food, right? Yeah, dude, it's just like they are so vastly different in culture despite the fact that they reside in the same country or they don't reside in the same country depending on who you believe. True. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just like they're so close together and they've been like linked politically and socially for so long that it's just, it was so absolutely fascinating to get to experience it both from a, a like living cultural perspective, but also with the backdrop of soccer on it made just so much sense. Yeah. And it was an amazing experience to get to, to view despite how much I'm, I, I'm very bitter and hateful of Barcelona right now. It was amazing yeah. overall. It was a very good trip and just being able to analyze both sides of it. Um, but yeah, um, I think that's it. I think that's about it. As we speak, Barcelona's up one nothing over Real Madrid, which probably doesn't make you happy given everything that's happened over the last few weeks. Uh, that's okay. Philippe Coutinho, I think, was the one who scored, so yeah, yep, I'm yep. happy with that. Yeah. Um, that's about it. I think um, that covers a lot of the, the differences, and you did a really good job of kind of summarizing for, for dummies um, the history behind them and, and how the different cultures are. So I think that, that about wraps it up, and that's it. Well, you got any final final words, parting words from anyone? Fuck Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So that about wraps it up, guys. A super interesting topic. It was cool to get some kind of firsthand experience from Louis on the differences between Barcelona and Real Madrid. We really hope that you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to us through any of the various links in the show description. As always, if you like us, leave that five-star review, and we'll catch you next week.